Hello, Nicola Murphy. Welcome to Fox First Five, listeners. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Yeah, good, good up the walls, but it's a good place <laughs> to be, I suppose, you know. Um, the weather has been nice and sunny here with the intermittent crazy wind rain shower. <laughs> it's totally random, uh, but it's nice. It feels like it's heading to summer now. It's great. So, uh, yeah, so it's all go here. What, what have you been up to? You've been working out already today, go girl. Yes, yeah, the countdown is on, you know, to our life. So, um, yes, indeed. Um, what's going on? Um, so much. <laughs> There's so much You had a on. crazy busy weekend, actually, <laughs> since we last spoke. You did loads of stuff. Yes, yeah, we went to lovely Doolin to see it. Um, yeah. Because we obviously booked our wedding in the middle of lockdown <laughs> and we hadn't even seen the venue. So I that know. was nice. And that all went well. And we got to eat some good food and... You know, drink Taste some, some nice wine. Some yeah. Lovely Irish pubs, and you know, it's a lovely part of the world. And the sun was actually shining. Was so it busy? Now for July. It was, was it yeah. Mm-hmm. Like during the day there, it's funny, it's kind of quiet. But then like after six or seven o'clock, it's like the place comes alive, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, it was gas actually. We were in one of the pubs and there was a bride sitting in the corner. And I was like, what the hell? And I was talking to the waitress, but after, and she said, it happens all the time. They get like these Americans that like elope and they get married at the Cliffs of Moher. And then they no come to June and they just go to the pub. And like, it was so weird. Like they were all splitting the bill and everything. I was like, oh gosh, <laughs> maybe they, are they right? Or are we right? You know, it's <laughs> a lot less. Enough. Stressful, yeah. Yeah, she was in a full wedding gown, like, you know, and it was just the most bizarre moment. But it's such a cool little pub, that pub. So I was like, we'll have to come in now and get a picture of the wedding. Pure cliche, you know, <laughs> picture yeah. after Did the wedding, they, um, sitting in the pub. <laughs> having a pint of Guinness. Did they uh, look like they were having a good time, the wedding party? Yeah, kind of. But it was weird because I was trying to figure it out, you know, like what they were doing, because they were all American, obviously, and they were all saying goodbye to each other then at the end, though, as well. Like they weren't going to see each other again. So it was weird. Like, Maybe not that's the, the way it should but, like, be as families. well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like the families and stuff, they were like, well, we probably won't see you, you know, when are you going back, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, were they going off doing their own travels of Ireland or they were going back home again and only come for a few days. Do you know but, what? Like that could, be, that could be like, you know, the distant American relatives and get an ocean to get married in Ireland and then they don't really know each other, you know, and then they come yeah. over and they're invited to the wedding and it's all a bit, oh, this is random. Well, they're all... They were all American. Oh. So it was weird. It was like weird. the Bourbon Groom's family, I'd say, or one of their families. Or, But she was wearing a full gown, like a full wedding gown. So mad, <laughs> it mad. was mad. But it was good. And then we saw the maddest thing ever in rugby on Saturday, of course, when uh, mm. Munster went out on penalties. <laughs> Bizarre. So uh, that was mad as well. So we did. We had a great all weekend. It was lovely to see people. And, uh, and you, stayed, you stayed in Dublin on... Sunday night, did you? With the lovely Karen Woolley, um, yeah. my great friend, and her lovely fiance Aidan. They put us up on a beautiful air mattress. It was great. It was very <laughs> um, so it was lovely to see their apartment as well. Which was did you nice. go out like and after the match or what? We did. And we went to like, oh my God, this unreal Mexican in Dublin. Oh, oh yeah? my God. El Gritos, it's called. Mm. And it's uh, it's on the north side. It's near Marion Square Park. Oh my, is it Marion Square Park? That park, I better look it up. But Mother of God, Best Mexican I've had in Ireland. It was absolutely El Grito. I've got a trip to um, Dublin planned for Garth Brooks in September. Oh, so, oh yeah, hilarious. So I will go. take that recommendation and run with it. <laughs> Do it. It was absolutely delicious. Oh my God, some of the best Mexican I've ever had. So yeah, 
Nice. Oh, you had a good weekend, so. Great weekend, doesn't we? We had a very quiet weekend. We were just uh, hanging out and still had a play date and Effie was sick at the end of last week and I think we're finally past all the bugs at long last after about <laughs> four like weeks. Bulletproof summer now. Mm, yeah, but um, no, it's all good. We had the general election here, not general election, local elections last Friday, so I was busy with work on that. And um, so little little bits of change around the country. Conservatives t- took a bit of a thumping. And other than that, just getting happed for the head next week. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so that's exciting. And yeah, so look, we'll just get kicked off. So uh, f- we start where we start every week with number one. One. So this week we're talking about something that we're very passionate about here on Fox 45 always. And that, of course, is saving the planet. So uh, this week we're going to talk about food waste, which we haven't done for a long time. So this bit actually came from these tips come from the famous belly Malou chef, Darina Allen, uh, who is a columnist with The Examiner. And uh, I just thought some of them were quite interesting. And this is something that I feel guilt about all the time. <laughs> So I'm guessing other people probably do as well. Uh, but did you know that 33% of all the food produced globally is lost to to food waste and that 45% of all root crops grown never reach the table? Wow, that's mad, isn't it? Depressing. It's a huge amount of food. Just 25% of all the food wasted could feed all the 95 million undernourished people in the world and 8% of the greenhouse gas emissions each year are due to food loss or waste. It's a staggering statistic like um, mm. they're saying that you know some part of the problem is this kind of easy come easy go because food can be really cheap like you know yeah. some of it and uh, but with food cost spiralling you know we need to start working towards this kind of zero waste policy and uh, it kind of takes a fundamental change in the mindset of a family or a team to make this change and sort of get everybody into the into the zone so um, but if you do Feel good factor, good for the environment, good for your pocket, uh, etc. Good for your tummy, probably. So first up, first tip is look at your bin. Start to cast an eagle eye over what's going in the bins. Ideally, plates should be empty after a meal. If not, ask yourself why. Well, if you've got children under the age of 10, <laughs> then everything goes in the bin pretty much. Like, yeah. um, two, portion control. Are portions too large or perhaps it doesn't taste good? <laughs> This could also be a problem in this house. (laughs) Zone in on the cause and remedy. We need to view waste as tearing up banknotes. Every morsel of waste matters and in restaurants, the head chef's attitude to waste can quite easily be the difference between profit and loss in a business where margins are already tight. It's very interesting, actually, because one of the podcasts I work on, uh, Scran, it's got like a lot about food and we interview a lot of chefs and stuff and you'd be amazed how much they bang on about it now, about cutting out waste, you know, and reusing anything that is wasted into composting and recycling and stuff, you know. Number three, which segues quite nicely into this one, use every scrap. At home, you'd be astonished how much money can be saved weekly once you focus on food waste. We need to be conscientious ourselves and lead by example. Chefs can scrutinise the menu, examine every single dish and ask... Are we using every scrap of each ingredient from nose to tail and root to shoot? Choose recipes that won't result in waste. Often, though, not always, fine dining restaurants are the most wasteful. Long tasting menus that you only utilise the choicest of morsels can result in the trimmings being dumped. Homemade stock. This is number four, homemade stock. Make stock with meat, fish, bones, poultry, carcasses and vegetable trimmings. These ought to be part of the work ethic. Use as a base for soups, broths and sauces. Stock can be frozen in recycled plastic gallon cream containers. Yep. 
Okay, Darina. Um, number five, be mindful of what you serve, both at home and in restaurants. Listen to requests. If someone asks for a small helping, one piece of toast for breakfast or one slice of bread with soup, that is what they want. Don't give them two. One can always offer a second helping. I've started doing that a bit with the kids, actually, because I used to give them like their full meal. And then I realised yeah. they were like intimidated by the amount of food on the plate, you know. Yeah, and also true. you do end up trying it out. So wait and see if they're hungry enough for it, you know. Uh, number six, love leftovers. Relearn and teach your family and team the almost forgotten skill of using leftovers to make delicious new dishes. Seven, use all of your bread. Leftover bread can be used in a myriad of ways with other dishes such as uh, bread and butter pudding, strata, French toast, breadcrumbs, croutons, pangratato, which I have no idea what that is, <laughs> crutini and crostini. Uh, in number eight, buy local. Lincoln with local farmers, vegetable growers to buy ugly fruit and vegetables and, and gluts in season. Use all parts of the vegetable. Make it a priority to pay a fair price. It's possible to get two or three uses for many vegetables, for example, beets. You can use the roots, stalks and young leaves in different ways. It's a valuable and fun exercise to educate yourself and your team by visiting the producers and learning about their process. I'm saying team here. This is obviously kind of written for more commercial kitchens um, engage the retailers encourage supermarkets and local shops to sell less than perfectly shaped and sized fruit vegetables they are just delicious and can be sold for about 30% less um, we have them in the supermarket here now in, in Aldi you get wobbly fruit and you, you know <laughs> no, and it's don't. cheaper it's, it, it's a lot cheaper yeah. so like punnet of like blackberries pound seventy. Pun of wobbly blackberries, one pound twenty nine or something. It's mad. No, we don't and have that. I don't. I can't see the difference in them. Yeah, uh, it's weird. the weirdest thing. Um, this minimizes the waste on the farm and increases the farmer's income. According to the WHO, over fifteen percent of food is lost before leaving the farm, in great part due to supermarkets' criteria for perfect produce. Reducing waste is one of the most immediate, impactful actions we as individuals can do to fight climate change. Number ten: save your cheese bits. Whiz leftover Parmesan cheese rind in the food presser and use it in a bechamel sauce. Ooh. Right. Uh, I did number this 11. last week. I, had, I threw about did 12 you? different, well, not 12. <laughs> I made lasagna and I threw like four or five different ends of cheeses into bechamel, like including like smoked cheese and blue cheese and everything. Wow. Yummy. Fucking, obviously the wedding diet is going well, but it was unreal. <laughs> and then like 80 mm. pot, like after I made lasagna, eating the last few spoons with it, with a spoon, <laughs> last few scoops. Oh my God, that sounds delicious. delicious I know. I promised oh I still I'd make mac and cheese someday this week. So I'm going to attempt. Oh yeah, sauce. same. So, um, and the last one is use up cooked fish. Leftover cooked fish can be used in a myriad of ways in salads, pastas, grain bowls, sandwiches, rice, paper rolls, fish cakes. If you have leftover raw fish, best to slowly poach it either in olive oil or fish stock. That way it keeps way better. Once it's carefully poached, it's less time sensitive and you can use it in all kinds of recipes for several days, which is also a good idea. So there you go, lads. No excuse now for not... Uh, using up all your food waste. Yeah, it's very good. Very interesting. The only thing I find, like, you would still need a good bit of time in your hands to do a lot of the things she's suggesting there. And like you said, maybe it's kind of more for a commercial kitchen. But like some stuff, it's really just about don't look at what's in your fridge before you go to the shop. Like, <laughs> do you know, mm, I often do it, that yeah. where I'm like, do I have this thing at home or not? Well, just buy it because I worry if I yeah. don't have it. You know? I know. So yeah. like, it's such a simple thing that we don't do and we should be like, just prep more when you're going yeah. to do your, that's why I find we've actually been doing Tesco deliveries recently and it's really good because like, you know exactly what's in the house because you're at home. Got to look at the cupboards. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm. it's good. One thing I annoys me is I might only I might be making something I might need two carrots and they don't sell loose carrots. Mm. So you have to buy a bag of carrots and then it's like I end up trying out the carrots. Now I will very rarely do that. I will 
in fact go to another shop to get them which is stupid yeah. but just to avoid especially if I have to get like two or three things that aren't available loose you know yeah but, um, you but know they're getting you better do, with though, that as well which I don't do is if you had like a carrot and it said it went off like the 10th of May you I would don't do that no I don't carrot. I don't throw out stuff no I don't <laughs> I don't. You're wrong. I actually don't. I don't do that at all. You definitely I'd be used like, to do it with peppers no. and stuff. You'd have to be like a piece of money. Like, I, I never look at the date <laughs> on a pepper. Never. Um, no, I don't. I the don't only know. thing I would do it with is like milk. I wouldn't chance milk because I just wouldn't take the risk of tasting it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and there's some certain things. Eggs, I'd be very wary of eggs. Um, although like you could test like, eggs. Yeah, you can pop an water. egg into water. Yeah. And see if it's still fresh. But things like um, potatoes and stuff float. like Hang on, now we have to tell. It's floats the egg if it's still fresh, isn't it? it sinks no, if it's it gone sinks off. if it's fine. It floats if it's if it's gone off because there's gas in it, so it's gone. There it's you right. go, lads. Now you learn something new every day. Probably the most valuable piece of information you've ever got <laughs> off the podcast. I swear I've eaten eggs two or three weeks old using that method, though. So maybe don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. No, I'm maybe years ago I was a bit like, oh, I can't be bothered figuring out if this is still okay or not like vegetables they won't kill you the things that'll kill no. you like meat, meat fish stuff, yeah, those yeah. stuff you need to be very careful of chicken I'd probably eat things um, one day like if it was if yesterday it went down I'd probably yeah. eat it today like I would Yeah, I wouldn't eat it two or three days yogurts like, yogurts are always okay for a day or two after yeah. a date as well yeah mm. at least at least I don't know if I'd <laughs> go any further but there yeah. you go yeah Um, but they're getting better with that too they're doing more like best befores instead of use buys yes so. yeah so there you go, kids. No excuse. Interesting Moving topic. along. Number two. Two. So this week, last, well, last week, we went to the cinema to see the new Marvel movie. Uh, I know I talk about these ones every way because they come out, but they have a massive audience, so why not? But this is one of my favorites in a while. It was the new Doctor Strange movie, but it's directed yeah, Benedict by... Cumberbatch, is it? Yeah, yeah. And um, one of the Olsons, uh, what's her name? Eliz- is it Elizabeth Olsen? Oh my God, I keep getting them all confused. But um, they all look weirdly alike. But um, yes, Elizabeth Olsen indeed. So She's it, his it's... twin sister. The Olsen twin sister, is it? Yeah, she's a sister of the Olsen oh. twins. Yeah, oh. yeah. She's very like them once you kind of realise it. I think she's like the mm. image of them. But um, she's her younger sister. She is very good in it. So the whole thing is, um, it's directed by Sam Raimi. And obviously with Sam Raimi, he's very dark in terms of his directing history, you know. So he's done things like The Evil Dead. And uh, like uh, he did some of the original Spider-Mans as well. And he did Oz the Great and Powerful. Like some mm. of them, which took kind of a bit of a, darker turns so like yes. Evil Dead Evil Dead 2 The Army of Darkness he did all of those so they're all quite dark like zombie movies yeah. you know so it's yeah. mad in this you can really see his directing and I think that's why I enjoyed it so much because it really wasn't very marvelly didn't feel marvelly you know so I oh. obviously won't spoil the storyline but um so like if anyone had watched WandaVision, a lot of that is brought into this because Wanda is obviously a witch now and she's a very powerful witch and that's kind of part of the storyline. And then you have Doctor Strange and uh, the multiverse, that's basically the name, but it's also about like kind of the story that they can travel to different versions of universes and stuff like that, right? So I won't go into it, but so that was the premises of it. But then with Sam Raimi's directing, it's just, I don't know, it was just kind of mad. The whole thing was just a bit mad. And like the, the mm. all the, like the vision, like 
of things and like the even the music and all that it's just done very very well and there's a few massive like if you're a Marvel fan there's a few massive surprises that are very enjoyable and it's just it's quite dark though for Marvel movies so if anyone's thinking about their kids so like if it was our nephews now for example I know they're big Marvel heads I would probably say don't let them see it it's quite grown up it's PG-13 but it's very dark so okay. um, I, again Sam Raimi's involvement like he took no prisoners it is quite dark so just mm. as a heads up if anyone is going to watch it it is quite scary someone told um my buddy Shane yesterday at work that she was in the cinema and, and there was a mother there with her six-year-old son and the son started freaking out like in the middle of the movie because it does oh my get God. quite dark so just maybe be conscious of that so that was yeah. our cinema view last week and one thing I'm just going to mention because it's now out and I can't wait to start watching it is The Staircase Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Dramatization of the, dramatization. the documentary we saw before. Yeah. Exactly. So Great lineup like, in it as well. Yeah. 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 Colin Firth and uh, Tony Collette. So, if anyone hasn't seen it, check it out because it is an absolutely crazy story. Well, the documentaries story. worth watching on Netflix. Yeah. yeah before you Netflix. start watching the drama. Yeah. Mm. Well, I don't know. Would I suggest watching it first? Because then you know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, true. You're better off maybe going into it and then watching it. I mean, the series was massive. Okay, we better be clear about this. So basically The Staircase is a documentary about basically about a woman who fell down the stairs and but it's all a bit weird. Her husband's a bit weird, the family are a bit weird. It was supposedly an accident, but it kind of begs the question, was it really an accident? That's what the documentary is about. It was out on Netflix maybe about three years ago. Uh, 2018. And and I think it's still there. I'll just double check, but I'm pretty sure it's still on it. And it's the same name, The Staircase. The Staircase. And now there is a drama coming out on Netflix as well, is it? No, it's actually on Sky. So I think HBO made it. So it's going to be on Sky. Yeah. So the first Mm. three episodes are already out. Um, so you'll be able to stream it. Um, I know you don't have Sky though. You're in a bit of a pickle with that, but um, we will in a few weeks. <laughs> oh, great! Oh, yeah, getting Sky mm. in the news. Um, mm. but the cast looks amazing. Um, it's already getting rave reviews. So we actually mm. have the first trip episodes to watch. So we were finishing the dropout that I talked about last week, which is definitely worth the watch. Oh my god, it just gets oh, more good. bonkers as it goes on. So definitely mm. get uh, watching that on Disney Plus. But this mm. is our next watch now. It's only six episodes, the first three are out. And like oh. I said, the cast is amazing and it's an absolutely bonkers story. So mm. yeah, we'll talk about it more next week. So we might have a So we interview. did um Stuart was out on Friday night, so I did three hours of Bridgerton back to back. Really enjoying it though, I have to say. Um we did reversing row that you recommended last week, which was really, really mm-hmm. interesting and taught me a lot. I didn't know about the whole thing. I'd really recommend that to anyone who's got an interest in what's going on in America with this potential repeal of the abortion laws in America. Um, And actually, everything in it is so weirdly applicable to right now. It's It's actually what they talk about in the last 20 minutes is actually what's happening, even though it's a couple of years old or whatever. Mm. So very, very informative. Um, And we watched last night, I watched a documentary about Fergal Keane, you know, the journalist Fergal Keane. He's like a war journalist with the BBC He's Irish. His family are from Kerry, but I don't know. I think he might have grown up in Dublin. But um, he has PTSD from covering the wars. 
Um, and honestly, it was a really eye-opening documentary. Like the stuff he saw and went through yeah. basically turned into an alcoholic and had a nervous breakdown oh, and ended up having to go into therapy and dry out and all that stuff. And I mean, that was probably 15 or 20 years ago. Oh, he's wow. still working on it. And yeah, he's an amazing character, actually, you know, very interesting person. And um, but like such a sad. I found myself in tears a couple mm. of times watching it. The horrors that he saw, you know, and trying to deal with them now, years later and stuff. And then he tries to figure out how, why is he affected and other people aren't affected. Yeah. And he even met people who were, you know, he met a girl who got out of Rwanda in a convoy that he was in. They kind of snuck out of Rwanda, basically. And he went and he met her and she's fine and she doesn't have PTSD. And he's like, why do I have PTSD? And she doesn't, you know, she was yeah. a victim kind of thing. Mad stuff, but um, really interesting. And he even, even filmed him getting some therapy. This one particular therapy, which is associated with rapid eye movement. You know, when we're sleeping and we have rapid mm-hmm. eye movement, that's when, when our brains are really processing everything that happens us during the day. Mm. So they try to emulate, it sounds mad, but it's, apparently it works. They try to emulate that process while you're awake by like getting you to close your eyes. And then the, the therapist like taps your hands and it kind of confuses your brain into thinking this left and right thing is what happens with your eyes as well. And then they get you to imagine the scene that you're disturbed by and you start mm. feeling the feelings and then you have to try and transplant the feelings and put a different feeling in there. So he was talking about this one particular incident where he, they were shot at and someone in the convoy then got shot and they were trying to help them and then later on going back to the hotel and feeling relieved to be safe and then she was like okay I want you to implant that safe feeling onto the whole memory you know and it's just fascinating and he said it, he said it saved his life that therapy wow. like you know and what was Amazing. it on BBC was it on BBC yeah BBC but I'd say it'll be repeated as well and it might be on RT because he's Irish you know they they always do yeah. that where they kind of share the content when there's mm-hmm. it's relevant or whatever so keep an eye out for that um, and what was other it thing, called do you know what the name of it was it's, it's just like Fergal Keane my yeah. PTSD or something. It's really okay, yeah, straightforward yeah. like that. And if anyone has access to iPlayer, then um, you'll get it on there. But the other thing I'm watching, I'm still loving that, the split. I'm really enjoying that as well. So there you go. That's our TV for this week. <laughs> uh, moving along. Number three. Three. So our facts of the week this week. Oh, I was researching this and I just loved reading about this person. Like she's such a warm, interesting character, you know, and I'm kind of sorry I didn't, pay more attention to her when she was alive. I suppose we were a lot younger, but Mm. um, we were talking about Maeve Binchy this week. So um, it's actually coming up to 10 years since she died. Um, But her full name was Anne Maeve Binchy Snell. She was an Irish novelist, playwright, short story writer, columnist and speaker. Her novels were characterised by a sympathetic and often humorous portrayal of small town life in Ireland and surprise endings. Her novels, which were translated into 37 languages, sold more than 40 million copies worldwide. She was born in 1939 in Dawkey. She was the oldest of four children. She went to UCD and got a degree in history and worked as a teacher of French, Latin and history at various girls' schools. She then became a journalist at the Irish Times and later went on to write novels, etc., In 1968, her mother died of cancer, aged 57. And after Binchy's father died in 1971, she sold the family house and moved to a bedsit. Her parents were Catholics and Binchy attended a convent school. However, a trip to Israel profoundly affected both her career and her faith. She later said in an interview, In 1963, I worked at a Jewish school school in Dublin, teaching French with an Irish accent to kids, primarily Lithuanians. The parents 
there gave me a trip to Israel as a present. I thought this was totally random. My parents were very nervous. Here I was going out to the Middle East by myself. I wrote to them regularly, telling them about uh, the kibbutz. My father and mother sent my letters to a newspaper which published them. So I, so I thought it's not hard to be a writer. Just write a letter home. After that, I started writing other travel articles. One Sunday, attempting to locate where the Last Supper is supposed to have occurred, she climbed a mountainside to a cavern guarded by a Brooklyn-born Israeli soldier. She wept with despair. The soldier asked, What do you expect, ma'am? A Renaissance table of th- for 13? She replied, Yes, that's just what I expected. The experience caused her to renounce her Catholic faith and eventually became agnostic. In 1968, Binchy joined the staff of the Irish Times and worked there as a writer, columnist and the first women's page editor of the London then London editor, later reporting for the paper from London before returning to Ireland. Her first book was a compilation of her newspaper articles entitled My First Book. <laughs> How practical. Mm. In all, she published 16 novels, four short story collections, a play and a novella. A 17th novel a week in winter was published posthumously. Her literary career began with two books of short stories, Central Line and The Victoria Line. She published her debut novel, Light a Penny Candle, in 1982. In 1983, it sold for the largest sum ever paid for a first novel, £52,000. The timing was fortuitous as Binchy and her husband were two months behind with their mortgage at the time. However, the prolific Binchy, who joked that she could write as fast as she could talk, ultimately became one of Ireland's richest women. Her first book was rejected five times. She would later describe these rejections as a slap in the face. It's like you don't go to a dance. If you don't go to a dance, you can never be rejected, but you'll never get to dance either. Most of Binchy's stories are set in Ireland, dealing with the tensions between urban and rural life, the contrast between England and Ireland, and the dramatic changes in Ireland between World War II and the present day. She announced in 2000 that she would not tour any more uh, of her novels. Uh, blah, 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 blah. She wrote several dramas, specifically for radio and the silver screen. Additionally, several of her novels and short stories were adapted for radio, film and television. Uh, Binchy was described as six feet tall, rather stout and garrulous, although she grew to actually six foot one. Uh, she said in an interview on the late late show, growing up in Docky, she never felt herself to be attractive. And as a plump girl, I didn't start on an even footing to everyone else. After her mother's death, she expected to lead a life of spinsterhood, saying, I expected I would live at home, as I always did. She continued, I felt very lonely. The others all had love waiting for them, and I didn't. However, when recording a piece for Woman's Hour in London, she met children's author Gordon Snell, then a freelance producer with the BBC. Their friendship blossomed into a cross-border romance with her in Ireland and him in London until she eventually secured a job in London through the Irish Times. They married in 1977 and after living in London for a time moved to Ireland and to Dawkey, not uh, not far from where she grew up. She said of him that he was a writer, a man I loved and he loved me and we got married and it was great and still is. Um, She believed I could he believed I could do anything just as my parents had believed all those years ago and I started to write fiction and that took off fine. And he loved Ireland and the facts was invented so he, us writers could live anywhere we liked instead of living in London near publishers. It's lovely little insights into her actual life, isn't it? You know, lovely. Um, and she won a ton of awards, which I won't go into all of them, but she appeared in the US. Um, she's, she was very successful also in the US market and featured in the New York Times bestseller list and yeah, in Oprah Winfrey's book club. Um, she was recognised for her total absence of malice and generosity to other writers. She finished third in a 2000 poll, the year 2000 poll, for World Book Day ahead of Jane Austen, Charles Dickens and Stephen King. Wow. She died on the 30th of July 2012, age 73, uh, having suffered from various maladies, including painful osteoarthritis. Um, Gordon was by her side when she died in a Dublin hospital. Um 
And then it just talks about all the kind of people saying wonderful things about her after she died. Shortly before her dip in, she told the Irish Times, I don't have any regrets about any roads I didn't take. Everything went well. And I think that's been a help because I can look back and do uh, and I do get great pleasure out of looking back. I've been very lucky and I have a very I'm a happy old age with good family and friends still around. Just before dying, she read her latest short story at the Docky Book Festival. She once said she would like to die on my 100th birthday, piloting Gordon and myself into the side of a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. There was a there was a documentary actually on about her on Monday night in RT. So that'll be on the uh, RT player if anybody's interested. It's called Maeve Binchy, The Magic of the Ordinary. There you go. Very good. Yeah, she sounded like a lovely person. I can kind of remember, I know it was 10 years ago, but you'd remember it. Mom loved her, didn't she? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, she's uh, one of those mammies of Ireland kind of figures, isn't she? Like, yeah, you know? she is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there you go. And moving along to number four. Four. So I was kind of struggling this week because to be honest, I wasn't really online much this week because it's just been busy times and all that. Living your life, living your life. Yes, exactly. But um, I thought I would talk about just a podcast that I've been listening to in and out. It's definitely not for everybody, though. <laughs> it's mm. um, it's a spooky podcast, Kelly. It's spooky Ooh. stories. It's people telling spooky stories. So um, it is called Spooked and it is presented. It's by uh, what's called uh, Snap Judgment Studios. And it's presented by a guy called Glenn Washington. This guy has the most amazing voice, though. His voice is just... What's it called? It what's the spooked. name of the podcast? Spooked. Spooked. Uh, I thought you said Spooky Stories, but you no, just said Spooky Stories before. Spooked. Well, it is Spooky Stories. <laughs> it's called Spooked. Um, spooked. But it's just... I really like it because it's people telling stories of stuff they've experienced that's freaked them out, you know? Okay. So it, yeah. it could be like, I was out walking in the forest and I heard this noise and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there was a story about this guy who was like up in the mountains and he was like kind of a cowboyish kind of ranger guy. And there was like a story with like um, one of these, what's it bloody called? What are those, those, those liony things in the mountains? A mountain Cougars. lion. <laughs> things in the mountain a mountain line oh my god or cougars maybe no no I'd say be happy enough a mountain line but um it is a mountain line so like it it doesn't it's not well it it is a little bit like spooky in terms of like paranormal Mm. but some of it is just people being freaked out by things so it's really cool because you get to hear all these different people's voices and stuff and I really like that. I really like hearing people telling stories. I enjoy that. But some yeah. of them are proper freaky, like you'd be well freaked out after it. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, short and sweet. Like they're only about 30 minutes each. There's a couple every week. There's hundreds of episodes as well. So if you're just looking to kind of get your teeth into something as you're out walking or whatever, I definitely recommend it. Maybe like not in the evening time when it's getting dark and stuff because genuinely... Uh-huh. When you're on your own freaky. in the house, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but even uh, like me and Jer have listened to a few episodes like we've been driving places and stuff and it's, it is good. Like, you know, you kind of get sucked into it because they're all different as well. So each episode is totally mm. different, a new story. So, um, yeah, I enjoy it. When I kind of run out of my everyday podcast that I listen to, this is the one that I kind of go to to fill a few days, like until there's another one of my, you know, core ones or whatever. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, would definitely recommend. And like I said, your man's voice and he tells stories from his life and also and why he kind of has a fascination with this stuff. And like okay. I said, his voice is like butter on toast. It's He's just an <laughs> amazing voice. So, and some nice. of it's a bit true. Makes such a difference, well. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. But uh, I find myself drawn to like um, Australian podcasts. I love the mm, Aussie really? accent. It's I, it just makes it a bit more dramatic or something. I, 
don't yeah, know why. Yeah. But, <laughs> or maybe because um, it's far away, it's less scary. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I know a lot of people like, like I just, I don't have really have a grow for like really comedy-esque stuff. I listen no, to a lot of very serious I. stuff, you know. So I think it teach their own. And obviously this is definitely not everyone's cup of tea. But I find it fascinating, some of the stories. And like I said, it's just gas hearing people's interpretation of stuff, you know. And obviously, like it's from all over the world. They had an Irish mm. story on one day, which was mad. Like mm-hmm. they had an Irish guy who was a, a social worker and it was a story about a kid and what the kid had been seeing and what the kid was telling his mom and the kid went missing and always wild story. But so it's from all over the world. So it's definitely worth um, giving you a listen. Where it is it creepy, from though? Creepy. Is he British? It's American. Or... No, he's American. American. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's okay. but there are stories being submitted and you can submit stories and all that stuff. But I'm still years old. Like it's I'm like maybe three years ago in it. So I haven't listened to any of the modern ones. Did you ones, start at the start? No, I started at the eight. I, yeah, at the start. I always do that. I always start at the start. Mm-hmm. Like, but um, yeah, I think yeah, it's being, good. It's on everything. Tick every, all the boxes. Yeah, cool, exactly. Cool. It's on everything. Spotify, podcast, all that. Spooked. And he said it like. Nice one. Spooked. I'd love to say it the way he said. Spooked. Spooked. <laughs> anyway, okay. check it out. Moving along. <laughs> Number five. Five. So it's that time of year again. This weekend, we celebrate... A Eurovision! Eurovision! I am not on top of it. I did hear a snippet of the Irish entry there on BBC Radio 2 the other day, and I thought it was all right. You know, Europoppy, well, isn't, isn't it? Like? that the UK entry is the second favourite. Is it? Yeah. Second favourite in Ukraine. Everyone obviously thinks the Ukraine's going to win because everyone's going to vote politically. Politically. But they don't um, vote politically anyway, don't they? I loved the Ukrainian song last year. It was bloody brilliant. It was that mad oh, bah, 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 song. It was <laughs> um, but, Good impression. Yeah. On the ads, like on Bet365 or whatever, I saw yeah. somebody screenshot up yesterday. The UK is second favourite. Wow. Oh, interesting. So, so hmm. we shall see what happens there. Yeah, so it's set to take place this weekend. The semi-finals are tonight and Thursday night and then the yes. final is on Saturday night. And none other than Linda Martin is set to deliver the Irish votes. So she won in 1992 uh, and she's going to be the sporks, sporks person? spokesperson for the Irish jury and will deliver the votes during this year's contest. Uh, 30 years on from her winning wow. in Sweden with Why Me, she will reveal the results on Saturday. Um, her success in 1992 started off a streak of three consecutive Eurovision victories for Ireland with Neve Kavanagh's In Your Eyes triumphing in 1993 and Paul Harrington and Charlie McGettigan's Rock and Roll Kids 94. I, I'm not exaggerating when I say I hate that song. Hate it. Rock and um, Roll Kids, yeah. yeah. Like Whereas it. I love In Your Eyes. <laughs> Neve Kavanagh, yeah, I love that banger. song. Oh, it's a yeah. banger. What, her voice yeah, as well is fantastic. Year. Yeah, um, she was Martin, on it last year, riding around in a cab, being interviewed. Remember, it was weird. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Strange. Martin has twice represented Ireland at Eurovision. The first time, which I didn't know this, the first time was in 1984 with Johnny Logan penned Terminal Three when she finished in second place, just eight points behind the winner, Sweden. Isn't that mad? Um, and then she returned in 1992 with the track "Why Me." also written by Logan, which proved to be a hit in the final of the song contest. Um, I look at you and I get the feeling, why me, the feeling. Um, annoys me as well. Um, County Derry singer Scullion is rep- representing Ireland in this year's contest with her upbeat and catchy track, That's Rich. She will compete in the semi-final on Thursday. 
uh, and hopefully secure her place for Saturday's grand final. I love a bit of Eurovision, I have to say. Um, I will... Um, do you know, last year they did a Glastonbury concert and it was on the same oh, night as Eurovision. Yeah, you were clashing, so yeah. We clashed, yeah. so I couldn't really watch Eurovision. So I'll definitely uh, dip into it now this year. I have an invite to a Eurovision party as well, certainly, but I'm not sure oh. if I'm going to go... Yeah, so we'll see. I've just I know so I'm trying to, to keep my um social things low now this weekend so we don't catch COVID right before the yeah. head. Well that's true as well, actually. That's a good reason not to go as well. Uh it's more me not being able to cope with any sort of a hangover with the amount of work I have to do next weekend. Um but also <laughs> yeah, also kind of saving myself for the hen party the following weekend. So um yeah, so that was number five. So there you go. Looking forward to a bit of Eurovision action at the weekend. Yes, it's, I love it. It's so, it. you could be watching it now for the rest of the week, like the stuff that's going on over there and the hype and the events and the red and carpets. And like you have and to follow it on the night. And like, we don't really watch the semifinals because I think it spoils it for the Saturday night. Mm. But um, you need to follow Twitter. That's the oh, key. Yeah. Yeah. To enjoying the Eurovision. You have to watch other people's reaction. It is mm-hmm. absolutely Banter. So, Banter. yes, I love it. Have a few margaritas now, watch Eurovision, yeah. life goals in terms of the memes. Night, so. The memes are flying as well, aren't they, usually with stuff like yes, that? Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so that should be good. So, um, yep, so that's the story we have. Um, as I said, kind of not an awful lot on next weekend because I suppose I finally better start packing some boxes considering it's my last weekend in the house <laughs> before we move. Um, but, yeah, it'll all be fine. I think I'm in complete denial, to be honest with you. But anyway... Moving along. <laughs> Aren't we all about everything? I feel like, you know, so even the fact that the hen is next week is so surreal to me. But yes, time is last weekend when we were in Dula, me and Jerry were like, it feels like somebody else is getting married. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit like that. It's a bit surreal, Not isn't it? All. So weird. So surreal. But, um, Did you start out your kitchen? Like, did you get your kitchen? No, ordered? no, we were yeah. trying to get an appointment now to go back to him. Still a bit unsure about that. <laughs> oh my God, just so much. But anyway, it's all good stuff. All good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So we will be back same bad time, same bad channel next week with five things you need to know about people. Uh, just a little plug in the meantime, I've got a new podcast coming out on Friday. It's called Testimony, The Body on CM Beach. True Which crime I've podcast. listened to and it's mm-hmm. very good. If you're a true crime fan like me, you'll absolutely love it. And actually, I have to say, Kel, your voice is very suited to true crime. It is when I'm serious. Know that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that a compliment or not, but it is very suited to true crime. Like you're very well, like I've got a deep um, voice, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good though. And as like I said, as a, a true crime, I would say what's the word? You know, like expert personally. Um, I really liked. It. I think it ticks all the boxes in terms of a true crime topic. I really liked it because there's a bit of mystery, obviously, about it all as well. So it's very good. Yeah, I'm available for uh, Ask Me Anything sessions and uh, <laughs> uh, for all your other crime podcasting needs, I'm available to her. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to talk about it more next week in uh, section four and we go through our <laughs> internet recommendation of the week. Kelly's Ooh, new podcast. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So first episode's out on Friday and then the next one is out next Friday. So there's a week between um, the two. I could probably slip you the second one if you want. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, so yeah, pumped because that's taken an awful lot of work. I worked on another girl Fiona on it who lives down in um, Sunderland 
And yeah, she was a she was a reporter at the newspaper where this body washed ashore um, in Sunderland in 16 years ago this Friday. So it's the anniversary mm. of the body find on Friday. So that's we're coinciding the launch of the podcast with that. So um, it's a gas yeah. accent, the Sunderland accent, listening to them like the. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? And the policemen are talking. Yeah, it's quite yeah, nice. Cliff. It's a very musical kind of accent. It's you funny. kind of trust them very quickly, mm. don't you? It's it's mm. weird. Stuart said the same yeah. thing when he listened to it. He was like, you, you're kind of warm to the Nord, the yeah. Geordie, the Nordie, the Geordie accent, don't you? Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's good. Speaking of Nordies, the state of Northern Ireland, lads, it would just, well, yeah, a, a disgrace to what's going on up there. But anyway, I hope that they can pull their fingers out and get things sorted. Somebody on the radio this morning was saying, Boris Johnson needs to get involved and, you know, get things moving here. I'd say they'd be waiting, to be honest with you. But uh, anyway. Well, at so, least the Conservatives got a few smacks last week, didn't they? So they did, yeah. They lost quite a few council seats. So mm. um, they might be getting their comeuppance at long last, roll on the next general election, if that's going to be the case. So mm. there you go. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate your time and your energy and your love and the vibes and whatnot. If you ever have anything you want to recommend for the podcast, let us know. And we'll catch you all next week. Enjoy. Thank you, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.